Okay. Well, it's great to be here uh, in Billericay. Never been here before. What? Let me just introduce myself. My name is Stuart Reid. I'm from Yorkshire. And um, I used to be a veterinary surgeon. I went to Edinburgh University when I met my wife. I met the Lord. And uh, I got a job as well. Uh, but then in uh, 19, I don't know who it was, God called me out of it and uh, called me to the Baptist ministry. And um, so that's what I did for many years. And uh, then we planted some churches. And for the last 10 years, I've been itinerant around several churches and also working a little bit for Rob. 1971, I met my friend Michael Wood. It seems a long while ago. Michael's in glory now, but um, Michael was a great inspiration, and God is all inspired, and uh, we're all fired up for this, um, this work, and so uh, it's a great privilege to be here. We're going to, uh, before the children go out, just, want, just a, uh, a little overhead projection thing, um, but just let me say, first of all, to you folk, we're just so thrilled, uh, Bill, at uh, the office, for your incredible generosity. You've given us over 23,500 pounds uh, over the last 12 years. And we, the great thing about Rob, I mean, there are many people after your money, I appreciate that as Christians, uh, and good causes. But we, we want to say that every penny you give is, goes to the charity. We, we've set up another charity um, that ensures that nothing is out, taken out for administration. But before the children go out, we're just going to show a little, um, on this Harvest Sunday, uh, just a little projection thing about uh, Central America. I have grandchildren in North America, and I've been to South America many times, but uh, I've never been to Central America. But it's incredibly, if you read Paul Thurow's book, he said it's some of the poorest parts of the world. And we're going to look at, just for a, a few minutes, in San Salvador, about two uh, Abilene and uh, Tintoral, which we, actually Michael and, and some of us have been following for many years. And our passion is, uh, because it's a really dangerous country, it's an earthquake place, is, is the, the, the country, but more, you cannot cross it. It's, it's just full of gangs, really, seriously. You can't walk across it at all. It's really dangerous. And, and uh, it's an incredibly poor country. So we, we've set up this food thing, and... Um, Anyway, we'll just have a few slides. I'm not sure. Is there? Uh, we'll see what comes up anyway, shall we? This is Abilene. I'm sorry the map's a bit faded, but it's, uh, it's somewhere west of Billericay. I know that. <laughs> There's a pond in between. And uh, I'm sure it's very beautiful, but it's incredibly dangerous. We're going to go to Tintoral. And I guess, do, Martin, do we just... Do they turn automatically? There we are. What, we've, what we want to do, it's a very simple thing. We want to provide, because the children are very, very malnourished. When we went out to find them, really malnourished, the children, really poor, thin kids. And it's, a, it's an earthquake area, this area. And so we determined, and there are five, in these two areas, there are five Sunday schools are set up. And the teachers not only have to tell them about Jesus, we, we, they teach them how to do gardening. And, but, but every week, we ensure that these children um, get one good meal. Uh, uh, I guess it's high-calorie, high-protein meal. And, and we tell them about Jesus. That's really what it's about. But, you know, we, we have to look after them. 
a friend of mine said, a way to a boy's heart is through his stomach. It probably is, actually. But anyway, these children are thriving and um, with great testimonies. Now, and, and some of them have been in this scheme for several years now. And, um, and, and they're all getting to know the Lord and they come and the children, the teachers, it's really very incredibly dangerous. You can't believe, you cannot go from town to town. It's not safe. And, and it's a rural area. And the children, so this is one of the, one of the Sunday schools. And the children, got, and what we ensure is that they get a meal. And, um, and really what I want to say, bef- um, this is really what it's about. I feel quite strongly about this, uh, about how blessed we are in Britain. Not to make us envious, but actually just to be thanked. It's a Thanksgiving service today, isn't it? We are so grateful. Every time you turn your tap on, I really say thank the Lord. We've planted a, we've sunk a lot of wells in, I go to India a lot, I used to do, I didn't go last year. We've sunk a lot of wells in East India and around Palakonda, just in, near Vizak. And you cannot believe the, the difference it makes. We plant the, the, the well and put the church building next to it. And um, it's quite, it's very effective because we have real pure water. We did one in North uh, Ghana. My wife's in Ghana this morning. Uh, she, should, uh, she would love to be here, but she's in Ghana. But we planted a well in North Ghana. Uh, you cannot believe how the whole community changed. The health, people stopped dying. Everything improved because people in Britain paid to plant one well. It was staggering, the effects. All I'm asking is that at lunchtime today, we just give thanks. You know, as you turn the t- every day you turn the tap on. It is such a blessing. And we sometimes have too much water, don't we? But uh, it's just, every time you tap on, thank the Lord that we're in Britain today. Whatever, I, I won't go down that road. Um, but just seriously, to give thanks. Because, you know, that's what we try to do, is to support these, these children um, in Abilene, Abilene's and Tintoral. And, and, and we provide physical food. You've got to feed the the outer man, as well as the spiritual man. We know the big, the important thing is to see them come to a living knowledge of the living God, Jesus Christ. But, you know, our passion is the two go together. Jesus, did, it wasn't either or, it was both, wasn't it? As we'll think about in a few minutes. So all you youngsters now, as you go to Sunday school, please, would you do one thing at lunchtime? Give thanks. Whatever the food is, please, eh? <laughs> And every time you turn your tap on, don't think, well, it's just as it is. We are so blessed, right? Amen. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Norbert. Thank you, Christine and your merry band for such wonderful worship. Thank you, Bernard, for your warm welcome. It's just great to be in a place you've never been before and sense the presence of God. It's just a, it's a real privilege. Um, if you have a Bible, would you turn with me uh, to uh, a passage that Norbert alluded to in his prayers, John 6, and um, we'll just try and extract a few principles from this, on this special day. If you haven't a Bible, don't worry, I'll read it to you. Um, John 6, the feeding of the 5,000. John 6, verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. 
And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward, towards him, he said to, to Philip, where can we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. And the men sat down, um, and the men sat down about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took up the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather up the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the barley loaves that were left over for those who had eaten. Well, we'll just stop there. That is the word of God. Well, let's just look at this quickly. And just uh, There are three really major principles. The first thing, obviously, is the need. I mean, it's the first thing. There's uh, a great crowd of people followed him um, because they saw the miraculous signs. They'd never seen anything like this. I mean, this is before the NHS. This is the, people have been healed. This has never happened in the history of, of Israel, ever. And they'd never heard such teaching. No man ever spoke like this. Amazing. And they kept walking because they didn't want to miss anything. And miracles were happening. People were coming. The crippled were being healed. The blind were seen. The deaf could hear and and all the rest of it. It was just, and, and the lepers were being healed. It was amazing. A huge crowd. And there were 5,000 5, men, which probably means altogether, there would probably be about 13,000 women, children, and men. There's a lot of people. And uh, because after a while, um, they realized that they're hungry. And the kids' stomachs will start rumbling, and they'd start mentioning it, to put it mildly, to their parents. You know, and they'd run out of food. They'd run out of food days before. And uh, there were no sort of corner shops around there. And, and they were sort of following. And they went on for day after day. And they, it had gone up from the northeast corner of Galilee up to the, the Golan Heights way, uh, probably for, for some peace to be with the disciples. And uh, this huge crowd... This is a huge football crowd, isn't it? 13,000, that's a lot of people. And, and they've nothing. They've nothing. Now, the first thing I want to say is this, and the first thing we, in Britain, in Bill Ricker this morning, in your home, is need, and in the world. 
Uh, that, that's the thing that's presented itself. Now, you know, you don't have to tell me the, the call on our, on our purses for charity and for many things. You know, with a massive earthquake in Indonesia and you could cite other situations. We get in the office at the rope, get things all the time. And then there are things you support, the charity you support. There's colossal need in the world, colossal need. And then you, you come this morning and, and, you know, you have need in your family. You know, if you like my family, you have, uh, you, you know, you have problems with the kids and grandchildren. And, and, uh, and then there's the church. And you look at, you know, we have a small house, we have a big house group. I mean, the problems in those, that house group is ph- phenomenal. And it was less than 20 people. The need is huge. And, and you, you know, you come this morning, maybe you've come this morning with great needs that perhaps you haven't shared. And then there's the lost in Billericay, in Essex, in Britain. People going to a lost hell, a lost eternity without Jesus Christ. And, and, and you know, you think, what do we do? The, the need is phenomenal, isn't it? That, that's the presenting thing. If, we're, if our eyes are open, the need is there. And, um, and then, you know, in your personal life, we haven't had time to go into that, the needs that you pr- bring. Um, and let to say nothing of your friends and family and at work and how can we help? Because then now you've got this problem. Jesus has got this great crowd in front of him, great crowd as far as the eye can see, thirteen thousand probably. And he says to look, he says, "How shall this is interesting? How shall we buy bread for these people to eat? We." I mean, these are like these twelve lads don't go around with a, you know, they're not a lot of plastic in their pocket to cash. You know, they've no, they've not a lot of money to put it mildly. There's a treasurer who, who, whose hands always in the till. We, we know about him, but where shall we? So how are we going? I mean, seriously, we come this morning. We're realistic people as Christians, right? We're realistic. These are real needs. We're not. They're not theological, hypothetical, philosophical needs. These are real needs. The first, let's look how he does it. First of all, he goes to the disciples, the, the, the lads, the 12 lads, 12 lads around him. And, uh, and it's, in all the, it's in all the Gospels, this. So this is a true story, if ever there was a true story. And um, he says to the disciples, this is in the Luke, in the Luke part, passage, send the crowd away so that they uh, can go to the neighboring uh, villages and... Uh, and countryside to get food and lodgings. Now, it's, it's, it's not as easy as that, I guess. There's no Sainsbury's or Tesco's or Waitrose, you know, just around the corner. There's no convenience store. This is up, at, you know, going toward the Golan Heights, if you've been up there. It's, in those days, there are no corner shops, and all the, tra- all the, sort of, the traders have sold their wares to the crowd. And, uh, but the... <laughs> But the first thing the disciples say is, send them away. Now, that's my first response very often. Not because I'm a Yorkshireman, you know. But, you know, somebody else will do it. Send them away. Send them away. There must be some local shop, some, some takeaway nearby. But there isn't. But the first response, alas, by these 12 young men is, just get rid of them. And that's the natural response of all of us, isn't it? I have enough problems. Just send them away. Anyway, so the next, he, he goes to Philip. Now, Philip's a local man. Philip knows the area. Philip is from the 
He knows that area. He knows it well. And uh, the thing about Philip, he has local knowledge, you see. He thinks, he uses his head, but he thinks like an unbeliever. He thinks like an ordinary man, as it were. And he says, um, eight, eight months' wages could not buy enough uh, bread for each one of them to have a bite. You know, he does his homework. You know, he's the, he's the, he's the accountant. He does his homework. Let me work it out. Ten, let's work it out. We'll go to Marks and Spencer's, get a sandwich. We're talking 10,000 pounds. He says, where are we going to get that? I said, eight months' wages. That's a lot of money. You know, we don't have it. You see, he thinks coolly. You know, where are we going to find the money? That's the first response of us as, as people, uh, apart from send them away. The next thing, well, okay, then how are we going to meet it? And um, the problem is this. He thinks without God, and we do that many times. He thinks without the person standing next to him, Jesus Christ. And... Um, and that's after we think rationally. Some, well, many of the times, becoming a Christian is starting to renew our minds, so we start thinking through the, through the eyes and mind of God. And, and Philip doesn't think that way. Now, the first thing you have to learn, I, I hope you won't mind doing this. We're doing this. It's, let's assume this is a Sunday school class. Can we do that? The first lesson you have to learn is this. Bigness is not a problem with God. Right? Would it be too humbling to say that? Could we say that? Bigness, let's all say it, shall we? Bigness is not a problem with God. Right? Very good. We'll get louder as we go on. And um, anyway, the next one is Andrew. Now, Andrew does his bit. Andrew, anybody, anybody bought sandwiches? Anybody? Not a sort. Anyway. He finds a lad. And the first miracle of the day is the lad hasn't eaten his lunch. That's the first miracle. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, the, and the second miracle, he says, well, yeah, you can have it. I mean, that is amazing, knowing lads. And he says, so Andrew says, Jesus, there's a lad here, and he's, brought, he's got his lunch. Uh, it's only two bits of fish fingers and a, you know, three little... Rolls, as it were. But anyway, he, um, he hands it to Jesus. Now, he has to see this. The second principle is this. It's very simple this morning. Smallness is not a problem with God. Right? Do you think we could say that? Smallness is not a problem with God. Very good. Right. And, uh, and then... Well, let's look at Jesus himself. Let's look at the person who is the center of the story. And John is writing to show us this amazing person. You remember Mark, when he, his gospel, they're all different, the gospels. Mark's gospel, imagine a football field. Mark is, you know, you, you're on the touchline. You're really close to the action. That's his action. That's like Mark's gospel, really at the action. Uh, Matthew, you're up in the stand. You can see a bit more. You know, you can see the whole field, as it were. You're up in the stand. Luke, you're up in a huge gantry. 
and you can see not only the, the field and the stadium, you can see the whole countryside. You can, you've got a better view, a bigger, wider view, I should say. John is like up in a big air balloon. And he wants you to see the whole world. He wants you to have the big picture. And so that's his desire. He said, I want you to get the big picture uh, that's happening. Because remember, John's gospel, the first 12 chapters are big in itself. Signs. A sign is a thing which is not too big in itself. I try to find my way to Billericay in the morning. It's amazing how many people in Essex don't know how to get to Billericay. <laughs> how I asked this morning. <laughs> Including me, absolutely. <laughs> and... Um, but a sign is quite, you know, it's a few, perhaps a meter across. And, uh, but Billerick is a big town. But the sign is quite small. And these signs, these things that Jesus, it, it's pointed to something bigger. The greatness of this person. And so John said, I want you to see what these signs, in themselves, they point to this person. And, um, and he comes to this. And... Um, See, John's gospel is, is, John says, I've written these things that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That's why I'm writing these things. I'm giving you facts, evidence. So Christianity is not based on theory, it's based on facts. John says, I'm giving you these facts so you might believe and then respond accordingly. And, and um, it's, in, it's here, present, Jesus in many ways, he presents him here almost as a new Moses. Isn't it, isn't it interesting? He puts him for no reason, apparently, in verse 4. The Jewish Passover was near. Why does he put that in? Well, it's very significant to anybody. Because he's saying, you know, Moses was great. The great hero of Israel are greater than Moses here now. And just as Moses, well, God actually, through Moses, fed the multitude. Something greater than Moses here, if you can only see it. And John wants to see it. And... Uh, and he wants to see that uh, an important event in, in the history of the nation um, is going to happen. And um, they will see a new man, a new prophet. Remember in Deuteronomy 18, they're looking for the prophet. All, they're always looking for this man that God would send. And, uh, and he comes, and the Jewish Passover's near. And uh, I remember God gave this manna, this manna, whatever it is, from heaven, and they picked it up. Well, something greater than him is here now. God himself has come. The great creator Lord has come. And, uh, and just as Moses fed under God, the Jewish people in the wilderness, so now in the Galilean desert, high above uh, Galilee, God is going to do it again through his son. And... Uh, and he's, and he's going to lead his people out of bondage. That was just symbol. Well, out of Egypt was a symbol of a greater freedom that Jesus is going to lead them to, out of it, out of evil and death and sin and all that bondage. He's going to lead them far bigger than just human bondage. Anyway, the next thing then is this small boy. Now, the great thing about the little boy, whoever he is, but it's not even named. Um, he put all that he had into the creator's hands. That's what he did. He who made everything there is by a word. The Lord spoke the word. That's how he made things. 
He spoke it into existence. He puts his two fish and loaves into the hands of the creator. He makes something out of nothing. And uh, he who breathes on the ground and, and makes man a living being. He takes the elements of, of the earth and makes the living being, which is man. What, uh, what you have to do is put your hand, stuff into the hands of God. He makes ordinary people into extraordinary people. Small people become big people. Um, and this one person gives to him, Jesus, and, uh, and that's what you have to do. You give to Jesus and you see great things happening. That's what it's about. This is the story of our lives. And um, the, third, the first principle is bigness is not a problem with God. The second principle is smallness is not a problem with God. No matter how you feel, you're nobody and you're useless and all the rest of it. The third thing, the secret of effectiveness in life is to put all you have into the hands of God. That's the secret. If you want an effective life, that is the only way to do it in eternal terms. I was reading the other day about a, a few years ago in, um, in Egypt. Uh, an Egyptian businessman had a very expensive watch. It was worth tens of thousands, a gold watch. And his name was inscribed on the back. And he lost it. Now, you would know if you know anything about the Coptic church in, in, uh, in Egypt, which, which are going through a terrible time, terrible persecution. But they live, um, well, in, uh, in garbage city, it's called, really. And, but, but what they do, they go out every day, some of them, not all of them, and they do the refuse in Cairo and other places. Well, what happened was, and this is a few years ago, this, one of these lads was going out collecting rubbish and garbage, finds this watch. Now, it's inscribed on the back. It's inscribed on the back with this man's name or some identification. This young lad takes it back to him. And, uh, and this Muslim guy is absolutely amazed that he would return it. Because it, it would have changed his life. It was worth 20 or 30,000 easily, this watch. And uh, it would have changed his life. <laughs> and he couldn't get over it. But he says, oh, well, anyway, the, 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 the Coptic Christian said, he says, my Christ has told me to be honest until the day I die. Anyway, the response by this Muslim guy is, he says, you know, I will worship the Christ you're worshipping, the God you're worshipping. He couldn't get over it. It changed his life. Now, why I mention that is because this man now, he was ordained as a priest, whatever you call him, into the Coptic church. He now meets in a huge cave in Egypt some Sundays, there are 10,000 in this cave. And this guy leads them. Father Samain, I think they call him. Now, it all started because one Christian guy was honest. One, well, it was significant, wasn't it? And it really struck me. You know, it's, we live before God. We do it for God. And um, 
Jesus, Jesus loves these people. Let's look at it. He loves these people. And he knows all things. And he knows all your needs this morning. And he's generous. And he gives these people all they wanted. Nothing is wasted. And uh, it's all collected. And uh, these are canny Jewish people who are writing these Gospels. They, they weren't fooled. It wasn't people, oh, I must decide to, to empty their pockets. No, the, the three, the, all three Gospel writers put it in. They weren't fooled. This isn't uh, you know, people feeling guilty and then having to give. No, this is a miracle of, great, of a multiplication that the living God did. And, um, and like Moses, he, he, he leads his people out of the mess they're in. And that's, that's what it's about. And that's what it's about in our life and your life. Sometimes he withdraws at times because he won't be controlled by men. But here, in Billerica this morning, he is present by his spirit. And that's why you're here this morning. Because he speaks to you. He is speaking to you this morning. This is what he's, he would say to you, you know. And you come, well, how can I make a difference in life? How can I make a difference in life? Well, the secret of effectiveness is to put all you have into the hands of Jesus. If I had time, I could give you a thousand testimonies, a dozen testimonies. The secret of effectiveness is to put all you have into the hands of Jesus. Can we say that? The secret of effectiveness is to put all you have into the hands of Jesus. That's it. The first principle is bigness is not a problem with God. The second principle is smallness is not a problem with God. The third principle is the secret of effectiveness is to put all you have into the hands of God. And if you if you were watching Dragon's Den, you'd probably have to say, count me in. I'm going to do that, you know. Now, the thing is, Christ will not, you can't buy 10% into him. I'm sorry about that. Or 20%. You've got the, he, we sing, love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my whole. Well, we haven't got all that stuff, but you've got yourself, you know. And that's what he, that's what he asks. And that's what he calls us to. And, um, and, and I'm sure if you were there, somebody said, man, you would not believe what happened. What happened? And we had free lunch. It was just amazing. I don't know where it came from. Now, there was, there was food everywhere. Amazing. Impossible. Impossible. For we believe in impossible God. We're not just into rational ethics. We believe in a God who moves supernaturally, miraculously. We, our whole faith is based on one thing. God raises the dead. That's the standard miracle. And that sets the pattern for all our life. Now, we're not wacky and crazy people, in one says, but we are committed to a God who is alive in Bellarique this Sunday morning who can meet your needs, what he asks is that we commit our lives to him, you know. Uh, he said, well, it's impossible. I'm, I, I, I'm a pastor, you know. I said, it's impossible. Well, actually, this is how it works. It's very simple. This is how it works. You put your life into the hands of Jesus. And that's how it works. Um, it's not always quick, but it's always certain. 
You know? Well, you say, I've got this huge problem. What shall I do? I tell you what you should do. You put it into the hands of Jesus. Some of you, even this morning, need to leave, cast your care on him because he cares for you. His shoulders are bigger than yours. And just leave it here and, and walk out and say, I've, you know, he'll look after it. Now, I know that's not as easy as it sounds because if you're like me, you've got a PhD in worrying. You know, I know that thing. But you have to teach yourself to do that. And, uh, but you say, well, I'm just a nobody. I'm not a leader. He specializes in, make, in making somebodies that are nobodies. But I'm not very bright. I don't have a great education. He delights to use any, anybody's. A, young, a lad, a young lad. Who would have thought? He didn't even use one of the disciples. He uses a lad who gives his packed lunch. You know? You see, I want my life to count. Well, the secret of effectiveness is to put all you have into the hands of Jesus. You know, there's a great man, a man called William Booth. I go around the world, I have been. It's amazing where you go and you see the Salvation Army. You know, no matter what they are now, but their effectiveness is amazing. And somebody said to General Booth, you know, how do you do it? Why are you so, what's the secret of your life? He said, for 85 years, Jesus Christ is that all there is of William Booth. That's it. It's not rocket science. It's very simple. It's not easy. But God's word says this is how it works. Three principles. Let's say them. Bigness is not a problem with God. Smallness is not a problem with God. The secret of effectiveness is to put all you have into the hands of Jesus, right? As if it's too simple, forgive me. Probably not simple enough. That is God's word for you this morning. That's why just, we have seen in Rome miracles happen by people, you can't believe, it's the people you, who you're surprised about who, who give to robe, and we've seen it multiply. It's just amazing what we've seen happen. And I'm sure you have other charities you could say the same. The secret of effectiveness is to put what you have into the hands of Jesus and just watch. Amen? Amen. 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 Bless the Lord.